Welcome to the HU Pirateship Podcast. What's going on, everybody? You can find us at www.hupirateship.com. We talk about the Pirates. It's year seven, episode number 58. I'm your host, Big Reek, along with Hampton Knight from the HU Pirateship. Hey, we had a lot of surprises against Virginia Union, man. <laughs> Definitely had some surprises against that team from Richmond. Or where are they from? Richmond? Or, I think so. Or Pete so, just just south of Richmond. Yeah, Petersburg, you know, whatever, wherever they are. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So on this episode, we're gonna review that game, the game against Virginia Union. Then we'll just go over the Big South scoreboard, especially talk about A and T. Then go over the MIAC scoreboard. Then talk about the rest of the MIAC. I mean, not the MIAC, but the HBCU football world. And then we'll preview Week Two against ODU. So yeah, let's hop into it. So, Virginia Union, review. We got the win. Uh, it was a little sketchy at times. I'm sure everybody, even there on, on the sidelines for Hampton, they were a little, a little queasy watching that game, especially in the third quarter. But uh, they got the win. Um, there were some surprise additions, man. Um, Jet Duffy, uh, he's a Texas Tech transfer. The school kept that very quiet. Um, Hezekiah Grimsley, uh, he's a Virginia Tech transfer at wide receiver. And there's another uh, transfer. They talked about him as well earlier, you know, when he transferred, but there wasn't much on the roster. He wasn't on the roster at all, but Demetrius Stittman uh, at linebacker, number 27. So those are some surprise additions. Those were surprising, right, man? Oh, absolutely, man. They were definitely surprises, man. Uh, It was uh, uh, quite an electric atmosphere yesterday. I mean, I mean, it was something that we haven't seen since 2019 and, you know, even though I wasn't there, you know, I was just so excited to, you know, just to see, you know, football back at Armstrong and, you know, it was a, a, a very good crowd on hand and you can just tell both sides really, really wanted to, to, uh, to partake in, you know, the, uh, the event. Yep. No doubt, man. So yeah, it, it looked like a good time um, on the screen. So yeah, we got the wind. Surprise additions. So let's talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, like we always do. So the good, uh, the best thing, man, or one of the most interesting things was that those blue uniforms, that those were sweet, man. They looked really good uh, on the team. So that was a good look. Um, next, um, 369 yards total rushing um, for that effort. Part of his, his effort, at least, was Elijah Burris. He won Big South Freshman of the Week. He had 15 carries, 137 yards, three touchdowns. That's amazing. Uh, he averaged 9.1 yards per carry. So he, he's big. You know, he's he, he looks bigger um, than, than what he shows up on a roster. But I guess he's over 200 pounds, so he wears it uh, well. Uh, we also have Butts. Um, he stepped up big. He's He looked really good. Um, he had 11 carries, 146 yards. He had an 85-yard uh, run right up the gut. 
um, to, to kind of set things off as well. And then Will Robinson. So every, all the pirate fans remember him a couple years ago, he was like the, uh, he, he carried the rock, um, well, uh, a couple years ago, but then he, I think he had an ACL injury. So he's back. He had uh, 12 carries for 62 yards. Um, and he averaged 5.2 yards per carry. So yeah, the running game was, 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 uh, well, it looked really good this week. Um, we had uh, 611 total yards of offense. Uh, the passing game uh, looked uh, good for the most part, but there were some drops, some things. We'll talk about those later. Um, some timing issues, which can get worked out. Um, the defense limited uh, Virginia Union to 85 yards rushing. And Caleb Brown for the defense, he had two interceptions, and he was named Big South Player of the Week on the defensive side. And then just somebody who just kind of showed up when you're watching the game was Kashawn Moore. So he's a transfer as well. And uh, he's very active at linebacker. He played linebacker in. So he was really active out there. He, he looks the part. And then the wide receiver core as well. They, I mean, they're legit. The wide receivers all across. I mean, they have four really good wide receivers in Bonds, uh, Catlett, uh, Grimsley, and number 11, the newcomer as well, um, have to get his, his, his name, but the wide receiver core is legit. And we got tight ends who we've haven't folded into the game as well. So <laughs> the offense is pretty good. Uh, what, what, what do you think about that, man? No, no, no. I think you pretty much hit everything on the head. Uh, we definitely knew, I mean, you know, Hampton was definitely playing that media blackout with, uh, Duffy and, uh, Grimsley, but you know, <laughs> Some people like me and you and, you know, a couple other guys, uh, I won't call their names out, but um, I mean, we knew about Duffy. Right. <laughs> and, you know, but hey, that CIA stuff that they were doing was off the hook, man. And, um, and it was, um, we were, I would say like this 24 for 35 for the game. That was pretty uh, it was pretty, you know, it was a pretty efficient game, uh, 242 yards, two touchdowns, two bad picks. And, you know, I would think that was pretty efficient for him. Uh, but, you know, to me, the hats off goes to definitely that young stud that we got out there, uh, Elijah Burris, man. You know, he's a freshman, you know. Um, and it, it was and I mean, we're talking about him because he's a freshman, but we already knew what Butts was going to do. Darren Butts with 11 attempts and 146 yards, and his longest was an 85-yarder. That was amazing. And then this is the wild thing. He has such a low center of gravity that I thought that he was going to be – he was already down when that play, uh, that 85-yarder, you know, that he ran. You know, I thought he was down, like, multiple times. But then there was a couple other, like, sweeps that I saw that – you know, he could have easily been down, but his just low center of gravity is just amazing. And, you know, he's definitely uh, that he's definitely a, a great pickup, you know, for this program. You know, even though he's been here for I think uh, this would be a second uh, season with us. And I do remember that. Um, I think that Alabama State had picked him up. Don Hill, Eli wanted him so bad. And I think uh, it was between I think it was either Norfolk State or Alabama State. And I think we swooped in. So I'm glad that we picked him up. But Burris, Lord have mercy. I'm glad UNC did not take him. And plus, even if he would be at UNC right now, you know, he wouldn't be happy because they got beat by Virginia's uh, Techs. <laughs> so absolutely. So, you know, 15 rushes for Elijah Burris. Um, 
and 137 yards and you know he had a really good kickoff return too so and then we're not gonna uh forget about will robinson will robinson has always been steady eddie with us man you know 12 rushes 62 yards you know and he gets us those hard yards you know what i'm saying we need a good three or four when the line is stacked you know he is a, a, a trusty guy you know and i really appreciate that guy and um, and then now if we talk about now, those guys right there are guys that we know about. And I will say, you know, you did say uh mentioned it earlier, those blue uniforms. <laughs> but you know what's funny when, when they first unveiled it, you know, I just kind of looked at it like I don't know, we've done blue those blue type of uniforms before. They weren't really that nice, but I like the fact that they got the numbers on the side and it kind of has an old school feel to it, but it's yet sleek. So I can only imagine what the white ones look like. So, you know, I, I really, I really like that ensemble that they came out with. Um, and I would just say that, you know, 611 uh, total yards in offense was amazing. You know, that was really good. Um, also, Keyshawn Moore, man, Lord have mercy. That brother right there. Mm -hmm. He was, and he's number 15, I believe, right? That's right. Yeah, he is flying all over the field that day, all over the field. You know, just, you know, he made his presence known, along with the defensive line when it came to that running game. You know, they were really Andy Matthews, you know, uh, number 67. That he's, he's a, he is a, he's the plug for real. They might as well just call that brother the plug because you ain't running through that dude. You know? Right, right. So, I mean, we had, and, we had some really good uh, guys on that line that, you know, that stopping up, stopping in that run. And you are right. The wide receiver core is definitely legit. legit. Um, you know, of course, we know about Bonds. And to be honest, when I saw the way that they were uh, going after Bonds, you know, he um, they had they constantly had a safety, you know, on top of them, even though he did get behind the safeties multiple times. They had some, if he made, if he cut in, they had a linebacker or another DB in there waiting on him. So, you know, he opened up a lot of avenues and uh, for the other receivers, especially Copeland, Roman Copeland, um, the freshman. Yeah. And um, Catlett, you know, he, he definitely um, uh, did that. So um, I, I, I expect Bonds to get more uh, touches. I mean, you know, he did get a lot of passes thrown his way. It's just that, I think that the defense just I think Virginia Union felt like they did a great job trying to contain Bonds, even though he did score on them. But they did not want to give up the big play. And honestly, they actually failed at that, too, because Bonds did drop a very wide open um, uh, pass. And I think uh, Duffy overthrew another one where he had about two to three steps on him. So uh, that is the good. And so. We need to go to the bad. Yeah, there's, a, there's some things. Uh, I guess it was what they, everyone kept saying, 600 days of rust. So, you know, there's some bad to be expected. But certain things you don't expect to show up when there's uh, this kind of talent gap and um, preparation gap. But the defense gave up 310 yards passing and three touchdowns uh, to the Virginia Union passing game. Uh, as we mentioned before, there were a couple drops um, by our receivers. Uh, one thing that I guess you can work on this is, is the pass rush. So 
Uh, that was, it looked like the guys were rushing in mud. Like they didn't get a lot of uh, pressure and I didn't see a lot of blitzing. So maybe coach is just holding that back. You don't want to waste that. And just, it's almost like a scrimmage where you just want to see what the guys can do without a lot of help. Um, but there wasn't a lot there from a pass rush, pers- pass rush perspective. And then the kicking game, man, the kicking game, they averaged our, our kickers averaged 28 yards per punt. And then we were four or five for point after touchdowns. And another one was close. And the funny thing about one of those, one, the one that was close, man, the bar was crooked. Like, cause when they had the camera just sitting there watching, like you could tell it was like off, like way, it was a couple of degrees, like tilted to one side. So maybe that's why they thought it was, it was off. So there's a whole lot more. I know you have some more thoughts, Hampton, but that, that's, that's what I, I know that that, that was not fun to watch from this game. Uh, yeah, you, you're definitely right. Um, I, I felt that maybe the ops weren't, weren't the operation staff basically weren't on their game there. But you know, hey, look, mistakes happen. It's been a, it's been a, a two year layoff, so <laughs> so we get it. Um, I definitely felt that um, that we seem to not lack or have a pass rush. We have a running. We have a good run-stopping uh, contingent, but I kind of felt that pass rush wasn't there. And it's the first game they have time to, to figure that out, but um, we didn't see that much of it. Um, also, I, yeah, the defense did give up 310 yards uh, and three passing touchdowns. And some of these, and this, I, I'm... This is my thing is when it comes to continuity when with the defensive backs, I know that's pretty, I know it's very difficult, but we were seeing, uh, I, I looked at it like this, the route combinations that we saw from Virginia Union, uh, whenever we ran certain zones, they feel, it felt like they always had a guy that either got open on the sideline, you know, something on the sideline, or they ran a guy out in the flat. And I think we were always a little bit too slow to getting there. And I just felt that their route combinations against our defense, our, our defensive backs were very successful. So this is why I feel that, um, that that is probably the point of interest for next week that we have to figure out how to, um, how to slow down the passing attack, especially from a team um, like Old, Old Dominion. Also, um, um, the defensive backs wouldn't have to work that hard if we had a, I would say, a pretty good um, pass rush. Yes. Um, and as far as the kicking game, um, we did notice that number 21 wasn't out there. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know the dynamics of that. I saw that he was, he was fielding the punts. I mean, fielding the kicks, uh, I guess the holder, but um, some of them, some of the kicks were either a little bit too low, but Hey, we did get four out of five uh, point after attempts and the ones that were missed were blocked. So um, it's just, uh, I would say some things I wouldn't call minor or major, but things that are points of interest are definitely the pass rush, because if you get that, then, our defensive backs are not working, you know, I would say overboard when it comes to that, uh, to defending and, um, and the kick, well, you know, I'll give a kicking game, you know, more time to see how that develops. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yep, they'll work on that. So some procedural things that can definitely be cleaned up. So now on to the ugly. It's not every week where we have ugly, but this week we have some ugly. So you just say, hey, we won the game. But, I mean, if you really know football um, for, especially in the third quarter, this game, well, the second, between the second and third quarter, uh, it was it was not an easy watch from a Pirates fan's perspective, and I and I know if I'm a coach and I'm watching that game, I'm getting I'm getting a little nervous too. But um, it, it, we're we're better. We the team is better than Virginia Union. Like it shouldn't have been that close um, with, from a talent perspective. Um, it should have been. Uh, they shouldn't. They should have handled them. It shouldn't have been that close. And once they got things right in the fourth quarter, ran away. So first quarter, fourth quarter. That's indicative of of the gap between the two schools. Uh, in between, maybe the team just fell apart. Uh, I'm not sure what happened, but you know, just from a <laughs> the folks I know watching this game were 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 shaking their heads like, "What is going on here, man?" So just the the closeness. And uh, some of the things we saw in the second and third quarter made it a little bit hard to watch, man. What, what are your thoughts on that, Hampton Knight? Well, let me go ahead and just kind of interject this because uh, my brother is calling me to tell me that uh, he's telling me that Michael K. Williams, Omar from the Wires, was found dead in the apartment. Yeah, I just saw that, man. Yeah, I just saw that. So, you know, uh, brother, I'm doing the podcast right now. So I'm <laughs> he just hung up. <laughs> so, um, you're absolutely right there. And matter of fact, let me just go ahead and say rest in, rest in health, uh, uh, Michael K. You know, you're a beautiful human being. And that whole thing is just, oh, Lord have mercy. Some people, some brilliant people are just gone much too quick. You know, mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman and, you know, Michael K. And um, uh god uh robin williams you know just you know beautiful people it's a tough time with that right now i mean we could you know uh, pivot but it's just a lot of yeah sadness in the air <laughs> right yeah, now. it's a tough it time man. it's just too tough man still in the middle of a pandemic too you know this yeah. is yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm, and then and then you got the unfortunates out there we ain't in no pandemic oh no. god uh, man i was at a cookout yesterday and his brother out here to talk about, oh, I don't, I don't, I'm not going into that, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. I it's know what you're talking about. Yep. So it's just like, dude, you know, it's just like, this is real, man. But anyway, let's go back to the ugly. Um, I felt, uh, I felt when um, our team went up uh, those two scores, 13 and nothing, you know, it felt like we were on like ready to, to, I think had we went up three scores, then we could have sealed the coffin on that game. And I felt that the first score was a, a methodical long drive that ended, that culminated with um, Jadakus Bond's uh, slant touchdown. And that just felt, it felt powerful. And, and because it was, it was a mixture of running, it was a mixture of passing, and we did exactly what we wanted to do. We ran the ball effectively. And then in that, and we controlled the line of scrimmage, the first drive. And then we had that slant pass in, you know, to the man that they wanted to stop. And it felt powerful. Mm-hmm. Second drive, you know, Bucks came in there and he had that, uh, eight, uh, the 85, um, the 85 yarder. And it just felt like we there, we got him. And I think they 
I think did we throw the uh, the pick on our next drive that allowed them to come back? But whatever it was, Virginia Union's poise never went away. Like they knew they were like, okay, all right, you got you got your two scores. We're gonna come back, watch, and their their ability to not only tie up the game but to take the lead in the lead into halftime to me felt that this is this is a program that's not afraid of um they're you know they're not afraid of the you know of a bigger program they weren't um they weren't intimidated by you know a, a division 1 program they probably felt themselves that they should be in a division 1 program and I felt that uh, at certain points in the game that we, that it was like, it could have gone either way. You know, it was because it was back to back 28, 21, 28 yeah. all too close, and too close, you know? And then, but as I think about it, I look at like games like Alabama state and miles, you know, it's a similar situation. Alabama state has superior facilities, has really legit division one prospects they have put men in the pros in the past five years won a first rounder with titus howard you know and they're still having trouble with miles a division two program so a lot of it to me just feels that it was more about pride and you know virginia union comes into this game like this is their super bowl and i think sometimes i think hampton i'm glad this was the first game that Hampton played because the last time we played Union, it was our second game, and we, and I felt that we felt that they did not take this game. Uh, they took this game lightly, and in that you know Union wanted it more. But anyway, I just felt that at certain points in the game, it just felt like man, deja vu all over again. And luckily, uh, we went back to what we are our bread and butter, which is running the ball. And we basically controlled the line of scrimmage, I would say, for the for the second half of the game. Well, I'm not going to say for all the second half of the game, mainly the fourth quarter. But these are the type of games that, you know, we we have to win. We can't lose this game. So that was ugly for me. Yeah. And it just, you know, there's one thing I remember many, many years ago, a coach told me about momentum, even, you know, and, and especially in a college game. And he said there's an underrated thing that can change games. And he said, big touchdown drops. And when Jadakiss had that drop early on in the first quarter, I was like, uh-oh. Like, it just, those things can change or equalize or it just changes the flow of the games, gives the other team hope. It's a little bit deflating. So those things have effects on games. When I saw that, I was like, uh-oh, this might be a little bit close for comfort, even though we pulled away. But just I just never forget, you know, that coach told me that a couple of years ago. So, but the good part is that we got to win. So yeah, <laughs> it'd be worse oh, than we man. lost. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. You, that's, if you lose this game a second time, that's just something you can't come back from. You know, I remember when Pete Adrian uh, was the Norfolk state coach and he, um, he lost, uh, he, I think his first couple of years at Norfolk state, he lost to Virginia state. You know, I, I forgot the name of that classic and it was, a. Uh, it was, those are bad losses, and it took it took a lot of morale out of the Norfolk State program for a while. But once they were able to overcome losing to a D two <laughs> school, then it was you know it was smooth sailing on from there. And then he ended up winning the MEAC after a while. 
Yep. True so. indeed. So yeah, man. So let's, we got the win. So that's, that's the good news. So, all right, let's move on over to the big South scoreboard. So a um, couple interesting games here, Kennesaw state, they beat Reinhardt 25, no 35 to 25. Um, it wasn't that close watching it. Uh, I don't know what Kennesaw state was doing, but it was, it was, it wasn't that close. If you watched the game, I watched some of it uh, up next. North Carolina A&T lost to Furman 29 to 18. Now I watched almost this entire game. A&T's good. I mean, that's they 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 are still good. They're talented. But what tripped them up in this game was what Hamptonite and I said in the last podcast about what's going to keep them from winning the Big South: turnovers, penalties, special teams, poor execution, and there's no margin for error when you play good teams like this. So. A&T fans, when you play um, Kennesaw State, when you play Monmouth, heck, even Charleston Southern, I would even say throw Campbell in there. This is what you're going to see. So that you can't have that nonsense. So y'all got to strip all that out. I guess that can be coached up. Um, but this is what is going to happen when you play the larger teams. An, un, an underrated thing that I saw as well was the referees. Um, so A&T didn't get a lot of help from them either. And this is what you're going to see on the road in the Big South. At home, the refs are fair. I, I, I don't, you know, I, I think we had a good game called. But when you go on the road, it's going to be ugly. So what you saw against Furman, this is what you're going to see against the other big uh, schools in, in the Big South. And to win, all that nonsense got to be cleaned up, man. I mean, this is what we said, right, Hampton Knight? Absolutely. You know, it's just that – um. I think that uh, a lot of the because we get a lot of this on, from the MIAC fans, you know, when they talk about uh, playing, I would say predominantly uh, PWI institutions is that, you know, HBCU games are mainly emotion. You know, it's you know how it's how you feel in the moment, you know, especially on the on the field. You know, it's like it's all about, you know, once that emotion starts running, then the momentum comes and, you know, it's a back and forth type of game. Whereas I feel that, you know, when we play watching, you know, uh, the Aggies take on the Paladins at Furman, I felt that um, certain things that um, that you see that um, that resonated with me, it was like certain things like, OK, like so if you have a cornerback who I would say has trouble defending uh defending I would say the six yard in or the or the out route you know they definitely figure out ways to exploit it you know they look they go after they go after certain players you know and it's not mainly based on emotion it's more based upon uh I would say I'm not gonna say schematics because it's all about X's and O's on both sides but I think it's more of like uh um uh, almost like a science there and I think for A&T uh they didn't look like they basically thought that their speed and power was just enough to overcome you know it's just a program like Furman and honestly you know it's like they have just as they have the, they have power they might not have that speed but they have ways of attacking it. And I just think that this takes some time for A&T for them to figure it out. And, you know, I'm glad that they got it early, you know, because now you see what we're going to be dealing with more so what they are going to be dealing with on a regular basis. So, um, but as far as uh, the other Big South uh, um, programs that we did see, you know, nothing is surprising. You know, it is a little bit surprising to see that Kennesaw 
uh, gave up 25 to Reinhardt. And so that means that they're going to be, they're going to be, um, they're going to have some issues. But if you look at Gardner Webb, Gardner Webb put up 25 on Georgia Southern, mm-hmm. you know, Georgia Southern, you know, that's a good program. So um, this is something that, you know, we're definitely nervous because uh, we're definitely going to be playing Gardner Webb. So there are some things that, you know, I think that uh, we need to, uh, uh, that I see that, you know, is cause for concern in the Big South. But, you know, who knows? It's still a young season. Yep. Very young. Very young. So, yeah. But and, and also, I just we didn't see much of um, the running back for A&T as well in that Furman game. So hopefully everything. No, no, no. We saw him. He just oh. didn't do much. <laughs> yeah, he didn't do much. No, no. He just didn't do much. Yeah. <laughs> so Mr. Icy, you know, Mr. You know, Mr. Outfit, you know, looking like Cam Newton at the press conference. You know what I mean? Right. You, you gotta you you can't be you can't you can't be dressed like that and not and not produce, son. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's it, man, in the big south, man. Um I'm sure A&T will get it together. I'm hope. I I'm 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 gonna watch, we're gonna watch them close to see how they progress uh this year um and tightening things up because they got the talent. Um so let's move on to the MIAC scoreboard. So uh Central, they beat Alcorn State. And that opener, did we talk about that last week? I don't think so. But uh, they beat Alcorn State. That was a shocker uh, to even probably North Carolina Central. Uh, let's see, any other interesting games here in the MEAC? I guess Alabama AM beating South Carolina State. Uh, good old Maynard doing his thing, especially with Akil, Akil Glass. He, had, he was 28 for 49, 426 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, that's pretty much it, man. Richmond, Howard, Howard played them close a little bit, you know, early on. They were doing a couple things, but then that fell apart. But I don't see much else in the MEAC this this week to go over. Any, any thoughts, man, on the MEAC? Absolutely not. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah, you know, I mean, only thing I can say is shout out to Alabama A&M. You know, I mean, Connell Maynard, a Quill Glass, man. Like, those, those dudes are balling, but they got to figure out that defense, man. Yep. Granville Eastman, man. Oh, God, come on, man. I mean, but yeah, nothing. Yep, nothing. And move on to some other HBCU football notes. So, of course, everyone's talking about Jackson State, Florida AM. and Hey, quick thought, man. You know, the, the newcomers to the HBCU world, they have all these ideas that we've been hashing around for like the past 20 years. So the latest one from Dion is that MIAC is swacking to form a super conference. What do you think about that, man? I, I, I yeah. What, what are your thoughts? Dion, I mean, I doubt that he would hear this, but let me just keep it real with you, my brother. I mean, me and Reek, our families go back. What I mean, mine goes back a hundred years. Hundred years. Yeah, mine goes back a hundred years in this. You know, I mean. I have great grandparents, great, great grandparents, you know, who were at Talladega, you know, or, and Johnson C. Smith and, you know, all of these Tennessee state, you know, Morris Brown. I mean, all of these Fisk, you know, this is, this is our, this is culture, man. And I'm sure you probably got some in your family somewhere too, but I mean, this is, I mean, we take this, like, this is like culture. It's like, when you say stuff like that, you know, we know it's from an outside perspective, you know, the reason why you can't combine the MIAC and the SWAC because there's two culturally different 
ideas when it comes to this, you know? I mean, MEAC is mid-Atlantic. The culture from the mid-Atlantic is different from the culture from the southwestern parts of the United States. Let me, and let me put it to you this way. Um, there's Martin and then there's Malcolm. You know, Martin was the talker. No, no, I'm sorry. Malcolm was the, you know, he was the try me. You know, he, he was out there. You know, he was like, I'm going to show you these hands. Whereas <laughs> Martin was more subtle. And, you know, Martin was like, okay, I'm going to make it work from a different framework. And both achieved exactly what they wanted, just differently. So that's what the MEAC and the SWAC is, you know what I mean? So when we say about combining it to make a super conference, no. I mean, the MEAC is going to be fine. I mean, we did lose FAMU and Bethune and, of course, us in A&T. But each of those programs that left had to leave because those programs have different missions. They weren't a part of the charter. Uh, if we look at A&T and Hampton, those are, I would say, progressive programs, you know, that can fit in any circle. So we, at one point, didn't fit the MEAC brand the way that the MEAC wanted it to fit. And um, same way with A&T, you know, those are, you know, they are a progressive program. And, and then, and, and FAMU and Bethune is, they're a family program, so they fit the SWAC profile. So that's why I would say kind of stay in your lane on that, my brother. I get it. I'm happy you're here. But, you know, and I understand you want to change the narrative and use what God has given you to uh, shine on Jackson State. But, I mean, my thing is I'm with you. I enjoy what you're doing. But certain things have to work within a certain framework and let it work from let it be natural. So the MEAC and the SWAC joining together, no, leave it alone. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I saw Tyrone Weekly says he he agreed with that up at um, Morgan State, and I think outside he a Michigan do he a Michigan do right, right, so I, right that's what I was saying. Like outside, uh, new blood is always good. You know, rejuvenate you, give you some new ideas, but you also have to, like you say, you have to look within the framework and and the environments that we have, like. HBCUs from a sports perspective and just from, you know, different funding perspective. Yeah. We, you know, many struggle um, we could all use more, but we're not like poor struggling sisters, like here and brothers, like we do amazing things. And I think we need to just remember that like everything is not about sports. You know, you have to look at the larger um, universities and what they're doing and celebrate that. I mean, could we win a couple more football games? Sure. But, but the culture at our schools are, are thriving and doing quite well against the eyes. And I think we just need to remember that and uh, don't let some of these guys who aren't really familiar with how things work come and blow things up and, and become the face of them. So that's one thing Jackson State should guard against uh, is allowing Dion to become the face of their entire yeah. university. Um, and, and, and Jackson State's a proud of... school, man. I mean, they don't need Thank you. Thank you. And just to caveat off of that, I mean, just to pick, piggyback off of that, Jackson State is probably, I think they uh, they bring in the most research dollars out of any HBCU. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about even over us and Howard, they bring over, they bring in a significant number of research dollars. And not I mean research, that means their abilities to uh, research subjects, like uh, whether it's uh, 
whether it's science, you know, uh, electronics or chemistry or engineering, you know, these are these are um, these are I would say methods for them that go into journals, you know, that go that go into public research journals or public research institutions that Jackson State does, you know. So Jackson State had a name before Prime got there, and my whole concern for Jackson State it was like, listen, you know, like look. I, I know you're happy that Prime is there, but don't let Prime take over, you know, what the institution is about. You know what I'm saying? Like, because Prime wouldn't pull that mess at Hampton. No. <laughs> they, like, wearing a gold chain on the sideline, please. Like, man, this dude, you know, that's not a good representation of what we are. Not saying I'm not, I don't feel what Prime is doing. I like what he's doing. But at the same time, that doesn't fly with us. It don't fly at Howard. It won't fly. It definitely won't. You don't fly at FAMU because if you look at Willie Simmons, he's, you know, shirt tucked in. You know, I'm not trying to say you have to be a respectable Negro, but I'm just saying like certain things that, you know, the I get it. You know, you colorful, you know, uh, Alvin Wyatt was colorful, but Alvin Wyatt, Alvin Wyatt, you know, you had some sort of, I would say, modicum of respect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what I'm just saying. I like this is my thing. Tyrone Wheatley and and um uh Deion Sanders, y'all really ain't from the you ain't from the crew. I mean, you ain't in the you it's like it's like different levels to this, and you just ain't at that level just yet, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, and so, just remember like the folks running the schools and the conferences. I mean, we kid Dennis Thomas an awful lot, but these are smart yeah. folks. Like people of, yeah. <laughs> you know, just remember that. Like, we're not just bundling around here. So like, he is woe a is doctor. me. <laughs> right? These are smart He's people. <laughs> so, He's very smart. So yeah. Yeah, just keep that in mind. So yeah, we'll watch the Dion show from afar, but at least, you know, they got the win from <laughs> over um Florida A and M seven to six. That was, if you like defense, I, that was a good, strong, yeah. hard hitting game. Yeah. So the, the defenses showed up. Quarterback play was interesting, but it was good from a defensive perspective. I saw one one thing that will be interesting to watch. So assuming that Jackson State gets it together and wins a couple titles, and they butt up against that Celebration Bowl uh, ceiling, how's that going to play out? After he, oh, after he oh, wins oh, two of them, right? What's going to happen? It's that's the best case scenario. He's okay. Okay, hold on. So you mean if he wins two celebration balls, right? Yeah. Then what next? Oh, he ain't coming. He's out. He's out. But this is my thing. Who's going to want him now? Right. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, is this my thing? I think it's like black HBCU coaches outside of the HBCU fears sphere don't move up as well as you know, white coaches. Case in, case in point, Jay, I think, Hobson over at uh, Alcorn, he left uh, PWI to come coach at Alcorn, did very well at Alcorn, then went right back to Southern Miss. And you won't see, well, you, did, Pete Richardson never got the call up, you know. Joe Taylor did get the call up, but didn't take it. Mm -hmm. um, it's very hard for HBCU coaches. I'm talking about black HBCU coaches to get that call up. You might see like um, the coach over at uh, North Carolina Central. You know, he he was at the offensive coordinator at Rice, 
but he, you're not going to get a, I didn't, we haven't seen a head coaching gig, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, if they do come, then it will be, you know, good for Dion. But, you know, he did say that God called him to Jackson State, you know, and I mean, I don't care if you're religious or not, but I don't know about a higher being saying you need to go to Jackson State because the Negroes are sick down there. <laughs> going, going to fix that program. Jackson hey, State don't need Dion. I mean, they need, um, this is my thing. They had uh, coaches before him, I think uh, Hughes and Hendricks. And of course they had Kamagi, mm -hmm. you know, and all these guys. And they, you know, they, they had some success with Kamagi, but you know, they, you know, they just had trouble, you know? So the university is not in no poor or dire financial straits. So I just, you know, I just take aback when people say, Things like God called me to come here because honestly, Dion didn't probably want he. I think he tried to finesse his way into Florida State. Yeah, and I'm just like, I'm like, really, man. You know, you think they're gonna let you uh, be a part? I mean, you did graduate from there, but I mean, I don't think they're gonna let you just get in there like that. You know, I mean, it, I don't think it works like that. You know, and uh, I'm, my thing is though, it's like I think sometimes a lot of us you know, we, we, we bear the brunt on certain things when it comes to our perception. You know what I mean? Like with the whole situation with Cam Newton and Mac Jones, you know, you read all these like, oh, I just read something that said that Rob Ninkovich said that Mac Jones showed Cam Newton how to read the playbook. You know, it's always that underlying theme of like, oh, he's unintelligent. But, you know, Cam Newton's uh, won a national title, rookie of the year. Uh, multiple pro bowler, took a team to Super Bowl, MVP. You know, I'm sure he's smart enough to figure that out. But at the same time, though, it's like we all protect Cam Newton in that way. Like, even though private, we like, man, we want to slap him upside his head. <laughs> but, you know, he's our guy. You know, we like we got to protect him because we know how the outside world could feel. It could feel. And so, yeah, I am. If God said Dion to Jackson State, then, yeah, I'm probably happy because, you know, you could get away with some of the stuff here that he's doing here at Jackson State because we get it. We understand it. But if, you know, you pull in that, uh, some of that stuff over at uh, FSU, you know, then it's some of the, I would say, the coded language that we would hear, you know, from outside, you know, and for, um, influence, you know, outside voices. And, you know, it's just like, how do you combat that? You know, no, I, you... I, I guarantee you, if he pulled that stuff at Florida State, it wouldn't be coded. It would, there, yes. there would be no coded language. They would like, yo, get this Negro out of here right now. <laughs> get him out of here. There would be no no codes on yeah, that, on that just, language. Just like when we watched uh, Willie Taggart, you know, it's like, I remember, I think he lost his, like, a really bad game. And I saw all of these memes from my brother that people were sending and it was like people were sitting like almost lynching parties where that inward Willie. Mm. And I'm just sitting here like, oh, man. And so then, you know, it's like you got to put up with this stuff, you know. I mean, that's part of coaching. But at the same time, you're just like, oh, why do I have to do why do? And But that's the thing. If Dion, you know, went out there and I'm not saying he's behaving that way because he behaved. He, and it's like I'm not talking about he's like a child, but certain like 
certain things that I think like he is like we haven't seen an HBC coach like this. Shine Wyatt, Alvin Wyatt, similar. You know, he dressed nicely. He dressed like he was like that old man in the club, though. But <laughs> you had a certain level of respect for, you know, what he was saying and what he was doing. I think with Dion, you know, it's just like you still have it, but it's different. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it, it's just different. And for some of us, we just don't know how to take it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I think if the best case scenario for him and them is they continue to win and with the talent, I mean, he's bringing in talent. So if all that uh, proves itself on the field, they'll win. But they're going to, I wonder if they're going to run into what um, A&T ran into. Like they were tired of winning a celebration bowl, you know, yeah, yeah. and what are they going to do? That's, that's just going to, and, and assuming that if he can't leave, you know, you don't want to, boxed in prime no. <laughs> you know what I mean? so it'll just be interesting to watch yeah i'm sure i'm sure goes. i'm sure someone else will call him but i do agree um if they if he continues to win like let's say multiple celebration balls he's gonna be like man we need to get out of that uh swag and join something else so we can go to the playoffs and i wouldn't blame him i would Right, right. It's yeah. It's that, that's the best case scenario for them too, right? Now they're just gonna have to yeah. manage that. So, all right, enough of prime, man. Um, <laughs> any other interesting games? I'm looking down the. No, not really. We talked about them all. Oh, one Eddie thing I George did see. Lost. <laughs> yeah, he lost. Yeah, he lost. That was a little bit shocking. But one a game bunch I did. Of NFL coaches. But go he, ahead. <laughs> yep. Well, we've seen that Hampton night. Like yep. it's a different. Uh, way you have to coach FCS mm-hmm. guys versus legit mm-hmm. pros, or True. yeah, it's a it's different. So <laughs> it's totally de- you got to coach him up, love him up. Like it's it's different. So he'll find that out. I'll be ones too. Um, but I did see one interesting game, mm-hmm. uh, parts of it. But Thune Cookman and UTEP, yo, they gave UTEP mm. all they could handle, all they could mm. handle. So I don't know if it transfers for Bethune Cookman, but they look like they always look like they always look like a FBS team, but I mean, just from a optics perspective, but um, they play UTEP pretty strong. So uh, that was, uh, we'll see what they can do in the swag. Um, you know what? Watch, watch you watch Bethune Cookman win, uh, win the swag first year. Everybody was looking at FAMU, but watch Bethune, like, cause they, but them sitting here saying, like, man, ain't nobody talking about us. <laughs> right. That's you true. know what I mean? Like, all corn look weak, you know. They they got – I felt like they, they were exposed against um, uh, of Central. You know, I, I think I – like, I like Felix. I think he's a good, good, fine young man. But, you know, when the lights are really too bright on him, you know, he just kind of drops that ball. But Bethune, Bethune has always been strong. But Bethune's issue is they're going to give you two hiccups a year. Every year. And it's going to be – Mm-hmm. The hiccups. And if they could limit them hiccups and like, I mean, lose to, I don't know, like a pine, I mean, like a valley state. You know, if they could not lose to Valley or to maybe Jackson, like they could win this thing. They've done this every year. They would lose one game. And it's always like, oh dang, you know, there it goes, but them again. Because they've always had, I would say, inconsistent quarterback play. But it looks like this QB right now, man. <laughs> this uh, this kid, you know, had uh, 215 passing yards. I'm just like two touchdowns, you know, 15 for 22, and I'm just like, all right, 
but Go looks pretty good. So yeah, we'll yeah, yeah, they look very good. Um, so yeah, y'all better watch them out there in the swag. So all right, man, let's close it up with the ODU preview. ODU lost their season opener to Wake Forest 42 to 10. Uh caught a little bit of this game. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I'm I'm just hoping that Hampton um just can move the ball. They should be able to, but it'll come down to the offensive lineman. Because one thing I, you know, a former lineman myself, right? Like you pointed out in the last Both podcast. Former lineman. <laughs> right. <laughs> Those wide splits they got. You nah, know, when you're going up nah. against really athletic guys, man, you can get yeah. your ass, sorry, your butt with one-on-one. So we'll see how they handle that. It'll be a good test for them with their new scheme. Um, but Hampton, um, I hope they can move the ball. Um, they should be able to put up some points against ODU. Um, but I think the, the ODU defensive line will dictate this game. Um, that's what I think. Um, I'm just hoping the defense, our defense can show some improvement. They're not going to stop ODU, but hopefully they can slow them down. Other than that, man, there's really not much to ODU from what I saw. They're just one of those middling uh, FBS teams, Middle Tennessee State, where, you know, they'll be on Thursday yeah. night on ESPN and it's like, oh, football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. But it's yeah. nothing there. They should beat us. Um, yeah, the FBS yeah. team, but I think there, if we can show some real improvement, um, there's a lot to hang our heads on, man. And what, what, what are your thoughts on the Monarchs? Um, honestly, I mean, this game, I would say is definitely for, you know, the seven by seven area. Um, honestly, I do not like playing, uh, ODU. I would rather us play another program besides them. Um, uh, more of a program that's our speed, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, see if we could bring a Morgan or I don't know, or, or Virginia state or something, you know, or Elizabeth city state, see if they want to come back. But um, I'm just, I, I, I don't like the optics of this game and I never did. You know, it's like Hampton doesn't need uh, to play uh, FBS programs. Um, I like staying in our lane at FCS programs because first of all, we don't need the money. So for, from whoever is listening, Hampton don't do welfare checks or don't do Hampton does not uh, take money from big programs. You know, I'll say I'm sure there's somebody in the athletic department falling out their chair. But <laughs> the larger point is like, you yeah. know, the school seems solvent. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. We're, we're a little bit more than solvent. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. But you know what I'm saying. But yeah. Um, I just, I would rather play, you know, another program that, that, that our fans, I mean, our fans are used to ODU because some of our, uh, um, our alums have ODU graduate, graduate degrees and some of our, and we've had friends that were ODU students that transferred into Hampton. So I just, for some reason would prefer that we play, um, a program like Virginia state or Elizabeth C state, somebody nearby that, you know, that would that we could bring in and, you know, get more game day revenue. You know, I just, you know, this is not my thing, but anyway, uh, speaking of ODU, you know, it looks like there are, I would say in the process of rebuilding and, you know, I saw that they had uh, two uh, quarterbacks, you know, that, that, uh, that um, were playing and it was, one was uh, DJ Mack and Hayden Wolf. And both of them, I would say, look pretty ineffective. One did throw a touchdown, one, another one threw two picks and was sacked twice. 
So just by watching a little bit of that game, I just realized, okay, they are definitely rebuilding. Do I think we have a shot? Absolutely. I would say a very low no. And I think the closest we've ever gotten to beating them was when I think we had David Legree and I think we lost by three points at ODU. So um, this will probably be a game that we'll probably lose by multiple touchdowns. Hopefully our biggest, our improvement from our secondary from week one to week two will be there and we'll be able to, uh, you know, at least uh, exploit something. <laughs> but um, I do think that uh, ODU just probably has a little bit more uh, horses than we do. But if you look at us, so we got Jet Duffy, you know, that's a Texas Tech transfer. And we I like some of our backup QBs and our running game is pretty stable with uh, Bucks, Burris, Robinson, and even the kid from on the Akron transfer, White. And our receiving core, I love our receiving core. So I do think there's a chance for us to be very competitive and that we can actually could, I mean, very low percentage-wise, we could actually eat something out, like some sort of win there. But I would just prefer going for Let's not schedule ODU again. I don't see anybody get excited when they see this guy. Oh, yeah, we're not not excited. You know, it's like, uh, it's like, um, I'll be excited, you know, if, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, if uh, Virginia State came in, you know, because they'll bring their band, you know, and it's more, it's more almost like fellowship, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, it's like, uh, it's, it's like family. Whereas ODU, it's just like the neighbors across the street that, you know, you only just wave to when you're going to work and you don't speak to them unless if you're getting something at the mail, you know. So I just kind of look at it that way. You know, Norfolk State is family for us. Uh, Virginia State, Virginia Union, their family. And, you know, and William and Mary, we have a good relationship with them. too. Yeah, that was my next question. I would, who would you yeah. rather play, William and Mary or ODU? I'd rather William always, and Mary. Always William and Mary. You know, yeah. I just, I'm not a fan of playing. Uh, uh, I, I do, well, we know Hampton never plays FBS programs, but this to us is more considered like a local program that we'll play. Because if ODU was like in another part of the state, we wouldn't be playing them. You know, so it's just kind of a local thing for all of us. Yep. So it'd be an interesting game for the folks really watching the game uh, in, from in depth. Just watch the lines. The lines will dictate this entire game. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yep. So, all right, man, good show. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about ODU. And I think who's next after that? Norfolk State or Howard? Oh, man, we got Howard coming up, man. Uh, and you know what? Let's do this. Bison, uh, what's the name? Bison for life. Hey, we we got we. Let's bring Bison for life um, for life on. Yeah, we got to catch up, man. We have to catch up. We have to catch Definitely up. Definitely gonna bring him on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, everybody, go Pirates. Peace. <laughs>